Welcome to the Rebel Speaker Podcast, where we break the tried and true presentation rules so that you can create a speech that stands out, makes an impact, and positions you as the go-to expert. And now your host, the instigator of the presentation rebellion, Dr. Michelle Mazur. How do I find more speaking gigs? This is the number one question that I get all the time for speakers. We are very fortunate today because we have David Fisher here. He is a speaker, but he's also an expert on relationships. How do we leverage our relationships to book more speaking gigs or get more sales? David is a speaker, a coach, a best-selling author of Networking in the 21st Century, Why Your Network Sucks, and What to Do About It. Building on 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur and sales professional, he combines nuanced strategy and real-world tactics. And we're going to be talking about some tactics today on the show to help professionals become more effective, efficient, and happy. He helps professionals understand the new landscape of hyper-connected selling where social media, networking, and old-school sales and communication skills are the key to personal influence and creating human connections. He's also the host of a fantastic podcast, Beer, Beats, and Business, where I was a guest on the show, and he talks all things business. On my episode, we just talked about beer but also music. So welcome to the Rebel Speaker, David. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So to start off, let's say I am just starting out as a speaker. I've got zero leads on places to speak. What would you tell me to do? The first thing I would tell you to do is have a little bit of patience. It sounds ironic, but so often when we're selling anything, we, we want the world to be on our time frame, and it rarely is. And so what happens is a lot of frustration way too early. I always caution people to have the right expectations. From there, then we can start getting tactical. A couple of things I suggest to people is look to the relationships you already have. Again, this isn't speaking. This is if you're a business owner who's starting out, no matter what environment you're in, unless you live under a rock or in a cave, you've already got a, an established network in some way, shape or form. So I actually usually coach people to start there first with people that they know. It's really just about asking some questions. Hey, I'm looking to get into speaking. You know, I think that this is my audience or I think this is the sort of venue I want to be in. And obviously you have to figure that stuff out first. Yeah, that's key. Right, right. Once you've done that groundwork, maybe you're like, hey, I really want to work for or speak to school, schools, maybe like high school students or like people you're going to speak to or entrepreneurs or veterinarians. Start asking your network, asking the people you know, hey, do you know somebody who's a veterinarian? Do you know somebody who's a high school administrator? You'd be really surprised who they might know. I completely agree on both counts. Patience, because I always say speaking is a long-term strategy. If you need money tomorrow, speaking is not the way to go. Because it does take time to find those places where you want to speak, to pitch, to get it booked, to get paid. So the patience is key. But mm-hmm. I'm also right there with you that starting with who you know in your network is the best thing. That's what I do with my clients. Once we've got the speech down and we have the audience, it's like, all right, who do you know? And mm-hmm. tell everyone you know, because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> 
Uh, and absolutely. And you have to remember that the people that you do know, they don't necessarily know much about what you're trying to do. I mean, I always make the joke that I don't think my mom really gets what I do. Right? <laughs> um, my dad does because my dad's actually recommended me to people, which is great. The reason I say that though is because it's really easy for us to assume that because the people that we know know us, they know all about us. They know about who a good contact is, who is something that they should introduce us to. I mean, the number of times in my life I've had somebody say to me, oh, by the way, I met this one person who, you know, they run conferences. Would that be a good person for you to talk to? And I'm like, yes. You know, that's, or my friend started a business because I do business coaching. My friend started a business. They're really struggling, you know, trying to, to get more clients. I wonder how I could help them out. And I'm like, this is me. That's what I do. So it's not about pestering your, your network. And I think that we're often afraid of being a pastor, being obnoxious. You know, there's that stereotype of the uh, insurance salesman who always asks, do you want to buy insurance? Do you want to buy insurance? Do you want to buy insurance? <laughs> But understand, we live in a really busy, noisy world. There's a lot of information swirling around all of our heads. So again, even the people that know you, that like you, that want to help you, they might not know how to. So sometimes you have to reach out and, and talk to them about it. I always find that people are willing to help. Like if you ask, they're like, oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. Even if they don't have someone they can think off, you know, of where you should go to speak. They're just like, wow, I'm so flattered you thought of me and I'll keep an eye out for you. Absolutely. I just went through an exercise. I'm following my own advice at the beginning of the year. In 2016, I went through a bit of a rebrand. Mm -hmm. 2017, I wanted, you know, uh, wanted to really start reaching out. I reached out to a lot of people in my LinkedIn network, the people that I didn't know really well, kind of like that next tier, mm -hmm. if you will. And this is a couple hundred people that I felt good enough to go out and talk to. The number of people that responded with, as you said, thank you for thinking of me was shocking to me even, right? Not everybody, but the fact that I'm like, I'm asking them for help and they're saying thank you for thinking of me to ask help from me. It's, it's a little weird, but also human beings like to feel needed. I know I'm this way. You're probably this way. I want people to ask me for help. I can't yes. go out and help you until you say, hey, David, can you introduce me to somebody in this field? And I'm like, yeah, I know people. Sure. I'd love to connect to you. But I can't do it until I'm asked. Exactly, exactly. So tell me a little bit about the LinkedIn strategy, because I know you and I had a conversation earlier this year that you were getting your pipeline up and going for speaking. So has LinkedIn been helpful with that? Absolutely. And you know, like I'm, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I wrote a book on it, so I, I got to be somewhat of a believer. What I really think LinkedIn did, by the way, it actually helped outsource some of our relationship building. There's actually a lot of research on this. Human beings can only manage about 150 relationships at any given time. It's called Dunbar's number. But obviously, most of us have more than 150 people in our LinkedIn network. And so you kind of have to recognize that you can't have strong relationships with all of those people, but that's okay. And so what I really did is at the beginning of the year, I kind of looked at my network and kind of split it up into three categories. For me, there was what I call the A, B, and C. And it wasn't about the quality of person. They're all fantastic people. But I have a really sizable network. I've been on LinkedIn a lot. I do a lot of networking. And so I looked at the A category. I'm like, these are people that I engage with, I interact with in some way on a consistent basis. So that means like at least once every six months. I looked at the C class and that was more people. I'm like, they're probably not a good connector. They probably aren't in like the right field I need right now. Or I really don't know them well. Maybe they saw me at a, an event 10 years ago. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to start there. And so I really found what I call the B connections, which again, people that 
I've had some engagement with them over the last couple of years. I don't think they would have been surprised to get an email from me. They would be like, who's D Fish? <laughs> um, they might not know exactly what I'm doing or, you know, again, I haven't leveraged that relationship. And I just sent them a quick email. I was like, hey, just wanted to let you know this is what I'm doing. I wanted to ask for some help. If you know somebody who is a, you know, who runs a conference, I do a lot of speaking for sales groups, who runs an annual meeting, who's a sales leader, works with entrepreneurs and whatnot. I'd love an introduction. You know, I got a lot of, I don't, but I'll keep my eyes open for you. And again, we talk about planting seeds. I know one of those, I will get an email in three months or in six months. Hey, I just came from our association meeting. We had a great speaker, but I know you'd be great for it next year. And so I want to introduce you. And have had, geez, I think probably five or six people have set up introductions or meetings with me. So great. Cool. And, and that's right, you know, and it's just for reaching out and asking. Yeah. That's kind of, that was kind of my January 2017 LinkedIn strategy. Nothing complex. but Yeah. Well, I love how you broke it down for us because, yeah, you have your A list of people that you think will be able to connect you. And then you have like the Bs, which are the weaker ties. Mm-hmm. You can start building a relationship more with and the Cs who are still fantastic, but just probably not your right market. Yeah. If you're a speaker and you're on LinkedIn and you've done nothing with LinkedIn, then this is a great strategy to start with so that you can start finding people who could connect you to others that might have you speak. Absolutely. And it's just about starting the conversation, right? Yeah. I I didn't reach out to any of these people trying to sell them. Uh, I didn't reach out saying, hey, I need this. I need you to do this. It was just like, let me throw it out there. And you, you you, you can pick it up if you want to. And not everybody emailed me back. That's fine. I don't take it personally. Everybody's busy. Well, and I think as a speaker, you have to get used to not hearing back. So it's better to not hear back in that kind of context to get to it for when you start actively trying to find speaking gigs. Which brings me to the next question. When you found a place where you want to speak, where you feel like you have something to offer that audience, Mm -hmm. that organization, how do you start building the relationships with the people who could hire you? It does really, that piggybacks on kind of what we were just talking about. The first step is just reaching out to them, finding out who runs the conference, who's in charge of booking speakers. This is actually a place where I really love LinkedIn as well. Because you can use it, you know, an easy search, you know, who do I know in my network that knows somebody at that company? It'd be great if you could be recommended to the conference organizer in one step, which you might be able to. But even if it's just, you know, I know somebody who could introduce me to somebody at that company. And then if I can get that conversation, ask them if they can introduce me to the next person. It's kind of a chain. Do a little research. I mean, the the one nice thing about being a speaker these days is, and not that I've been around that long. But so much information is available to us. Going online and just doing a search, whether I said it's an association, a company, whatever kind of organization it is, their event probably has a web page, right? <laughs> this is my approach. If there's a someplace I would want to speak, I'll just uh, do some research. If I can find a web page, organizations and associations, you know, for like larger conferences, mm-hmm. tend to have a speaker's sign-up page or a contact right there. But even if they don't, just send an email to that company or, you know, if there is a question section or a contact, a phone number, call it up. Say, hey, I'm looking for who works with the speakers for your, your events. Am I talking to the right person? Could you point me in the right direction? Kind of simple. And it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But that's sales, right? 
I know, I know. Well, I think that's where people get nervous, the picking up the phone or the emailing and, and the mm-hmm. asking like, hey, are you this person? Are you hiring speakers or do you bring speakers in and when? Just having that first conversation can be really intimidating for people. So I think yeah. it's necessary, but people are like, oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Yeah, that intimidation or that fear. I mean, I got my start as a salesperson and actually as a sales trainer. So I've been dealing with this for 20 years and fear of rejection is ingrained into human beings, but there's no trick to get away from that. Mm -hmm. And once you can realize you can pick up the phone, you can talk to somebody, they could even say no or that they're not interested and you're still alive. That's a really powerful thing because there's actually no other way of getting speaking gigs. You know, you've probably had somebody ask me this. I know even I've had people ask me about this. Like, well, why don't you just get a speaker's bureau? And I'm always just like, here's the deal. The best way of not ever speaking is to just sit by a phone and wait for somebody to call you. Like a speaker's bureau, I always, and there's some great ones out there, so I don't want to mm-hmm. knock them. But it's going to a speaker's bureau for gigs is kind of like going to uh, the bank for a loan. The best way to get a loan from a bank is to prove that you don't need it. And then they'll give you all the money in the world. And the best way to get a speaker's bureau to want to, you know, work with you is to prove you don't need them, then they want a piece of you. I know. I get so many questions about speaker's bureau. Well, should I find a speaker's bureau? And I'm like, they're not going to want you. Right. Because they'd have to work too hard to sell you. When you don't need a speaker's bureau, that's when they're going to say, hey, we'll book speaking gigs for you and take 25%. Yeah. You're charging 10 grand a pop? We'll take that cut and try to get you a gig. <laughs> we'll take 2,500 of that right off the top. Sure, sure no sure. problem. So I do find that interesting. And also the whole idea of that rejection of getting to know. And I tell my speakers when they're pitching, or even if they're in negotiation and they lose the speaking gig, like, you should still celebrate the no. Like, woohoo, I got to know. I got to know. Because at least they responded. And at least you made it that far. Right. You know, there's the old adage that sales is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And there's actually some truth to that. If it wasn't a numbers game, if it was, if it was a sure thing, it wouldn't be selling. Mm-hmm. It, it would be order taking. And that'd be great. But <laughs> there'd be no money in it. In the end, nobody's going to sell you as well as you can sell you. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. And so I think that's a really important thing to remember. You can't, there's a lot you can outsource as a speaker, and maybe that you should. But I don't think I would ever outsource my selling of myself. Because I can be in a conversation with a conference organizer with, you know, again, I work with sales teams, a sales leader, mm-hmm. and they're going to ask me, why should we hire you? Like, what are you going to do for our team? What's, you know, what's the you know, ROI of bringing you in? And nobody's going to be able to share that as well as I can, because I'm the one who's going to be there. Yeah, I feel like if you're a big time speaker, like I think about Sally Hogshead, like I know her husband actually does the selling for her mm-hmm. now, but she's proven right? Like they know what bringing her in means and what the company gets. So it's an easier sales conversation that she doesn't necessarily have to be present for. But when you're starting out or even you're kind of in that middle stage where you're gaining momentum, having those sales conversations and being able to answer the question, I just did a podcast episode on this on why should I hire you? Right. And having an answer that's not like, because I have a unique point of view or a good story or I've authored a book. Those are nice. That's not the real reason. 
Yeah, those are all table stakes. That gets you into the conversation, but that's not why they're going to hire you. Yes, it's all about what you do for them, what challenge they need mm -hmm. solved, and how you solve it. One final question for you. Okay, okay. So let's say you have landed your speaking gig, you knock it out of the park, because I know you would. <laughs> What do you do to keep that relationship warm afterwards so that you get referrals or repeat business? Yeah. The biggest thing you can do is actually just follow up. Now, we can talk tactics about what's the best way. Just do it. <laughs> you, I'm always to this day surprised at how few people actually do follow up. For me personally, some of the pieces in my process you know, I do write handwritten notes the next week to the organizer, to whoever my points of contact were. I do send emails out to everybody who I had some engagement with that. Even just that step is so rare. Mm -hmm. My mom taught me how to send thank you notes, you know, when I was in high school. <laughs> and oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever because nobody does it. You want to set yourself apart? Boom, just like that. You know, there's lots of great ways of continuing to provide value for the People who are there, whether it's follow-up emails, text messages, there's a lot of great technology around this that you should work out with your client beforehand. Mm -hmm. But just stay in touch. You know, use things like LinkedIn or Twitter or social media to kind of keep in touch with people. Have an e-newsletter, even if it goes out once a quarter to all the people you've spoken to, say they remember your name. And then sometimes it just is a matter of asking. You know, whether it's right after the gig, I think it right after the gig is good because they love you right then, mm -hmm. um, but also have a trailing and just say, hey, you know, I love working with people like you and organizations like yours. Who else do you know that's in kind of a similar role at an organization like yours that I should, should talk to? It's so funny to me how many times people are like, oh, I've booked the speaking gig, I gave the speech, and now that organization is dead to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Instead of, oh, I need to keep this relationship going because there could be other referrals, there can be testimonials, they might want to have me back to do something else in the future. Yeah. And so if I just keep in touch and say, hey, every once in a while, they're going to remember me. Absolutely. And depending on what kind of speaking you're doing and for what kind of organization, you can keep going back and speaking for that organization over and over. Maybe it's a different department. Maybe it's a different event. I do a lot of work with Dell, for example, and I speak for different parts of Dell because there's 100,000 people there. Yes. It's a big company, Northwestern University, where I'm an alumni. I'll do speaking for sometimes the Alumni Association or sometimes the athletic department. Or you know, If you think that you're done after you give your message, you're missing the boat. You're maybe halfway through that relationship. Yes. Maybe. I so. love that. Remember that, speakers. You are only halfway through your relationship when you have given your message. Fish, this has been an awesome, very actionable interview. I know you have a resource for our audience, so can you tell us where to find you online? A great way to find everything is at davidjpfisher.com. That's uh, my home on the internet. And for all of your listeners, if you go to davidjpfisher.com slash rebelspeakers, there is a resource specifically about how to build relationships and some really cool tools that take you only five minutes to build a better network. You can also find me, of course, on Twitter at dfishrockstar, linkedin.com, I'm there all the time. I do run a podcast called Beer Beats and Business, and we're at beerbeatsandbusiness.com, so come hang out. Check it out, and remember, you can't outsource your sales speakers, so get comfortable, pick up the phone, make the pitch, and build the relationship. Thank you so much, Dfish. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Rebel Speaker Podcast. If you're loving this show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It is the best way for speakers like you to find out about us. And you can learn more about Communication Rebels coaching and consulting services that help business owners and speakers make a bigger impact with their message while building a speaking business on their own terms at drmichellemazur.com. 